0: For our audience out there, we've got Steve Pavlina, author of StevePavlina.com, and uh, the recently published book, uh, Personal Development for Smart People. How you doing tonight, Steve? Great. How are you guys? Good.
1: We're doing excellent. It's Friday night. The night
0: is young. All right, Steve. Uh, just for the audience out there, just tell us a little bit about how you uh, got started in personal development.
2: Well, uh, in, this, in the field, I got interested in it when I was 19. I was actually... Uh, arrested for felony grand theft. I had kind of a, a rough period during my late teens where I got addicted to shoplifting. Oh,
1: you're a bad boy, Steve.
2: Yeah, I wasn't such a good guy. <laughs> and so I'm sitting in jail for a few days, and I, I kind of you know had this uh, weight of responsibility fall down on my shoulders, and I realized if I kept going down that path, I was going to really you know it was going to be a really dark time for me. And uh, that's when I just realized that you know even though I couldn't solve my problems right away, uh, the solution was that I'd have to grow as a person. So it was kind of you know a, a transforming experience for me where I realized that uh, the path of growth was what would ultimately save me, that I had to deal with the addiction I had. I was doing uh, a lot of drinking at the time, getting drunk a couple times a week. So you know that's what really got me started in personal growth was um, kind of having a painful experience and realizing that if I worked on myself, that was the opposite.
0: At, at the time, were there any particular coaches or, or gurus that kind of resonated with you at the time that that brought you into it.
2: Um, yeah, there were. I mean, there were a few. Some of the early people I listened to back then were um, Dennis Waitley and Brian Tracy, um, and uh, especially Earl Nightingale. I used to love Earl Nightingale's stuff. I, I listened to his lead L- the
0: field. Lead the field, yeah. The lead the field was great.
1: Yeah, they, yeah, Brian Tracy has some really good stuff too. Mm-hmm.
0: So, Steve, you have uh, you have an extremely popular website. Uh, you got. Hundreds of free articles on it. You know what? What in the book are you offering that you're reading? You know, a little bit different than what you've been putting out over the last couple of years online.
2: Well, the w- the way I like to think of it is that the, the articles I've written are the branches of personal development, where the book I wrote is the roots. And the the thing is, I couldn't really write about the the real roots of personal development, the real fundamental principles, as articles because it was just too big a topic. Uh, So when I I was writing articles, I'd have things on topics like, you know, how to have better relationships or um, how to improve your productivity, how to become an early riser, you know, mostly just attacking little parts of um, personal development. When I decided to write the book, though, I wanted to do something I couldn't do with the blog, something much deeper. I wanted to find out what the fundamental growth principles were so that if you had this single set of principles, you could use them to improve your relationships, your health, your finances, your career path, your spiritual development, whatever you wanted to
0: okay and uh, like wh- what were the seven principles um, that uh
2: well in the book there's there's basically three core principles and, and four secondary principles okay the three core principles are truth love and power and the four secondary ones are oneness authority courage and intelligence and you really just need to focus on the, on the, the three core principles um, if, if you basically think about personal growth as a process of aligning yourself with these principles then the principles, act like a compass. They point you in the right direction. So no matter what problem you're facing, you can use these principles to to diagnose what's gone wrong, and it points you in the direction of of what you need to do to improve your situation. And and truth is simply a matter of being aware of of what you have to deal with. It's it's like getting real with yourself. It's being totally honest with what's going on in your life right now, Uh, especially the way you feel about your situation. Like if you're in a dead end job, or if your finances aren't doing well, or if you're not happy with your relationship situation, it's really facing up to that and then accepting responsibility for it.
1: You know, and, and you know, like, you know Steve, I just wanted to ask you a quick question. You, 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 before you, you, you know, you talked about how you started off, you had a rough time. You know, you you ended up in jail and like you were drinking a little bit. And you know, I, you know, I we we here are very into personal development, but you know, we do go out. And we you know, and I'll be honest, I do drink. You know, and we go out, and we party a few times a week. Do you think that? it's a it's a that you really do have to rid yourself of that completely to to well, really get to those goals
2: it's a, it's a choice um everything you know everything you do is a choice there so uh, you know just in applying the truth principle to alcohol what i realized is you know each drink of alcohol kills about 10,000 of your brain cells and i thought well do i really want you know is that something i really want to keep choosing to do and then i thought you know is this is alcohol something i really need in my life is it something i really need to connect with and you know eventually i just gave it up completely i just stopped I, I stopped cold turkey and um decided just not to drink anymore so if i'm at a party or something i'll just buy you know i'll just get a club soda or whatever and not have any alcohol
1: oh yeah no because we it's not like we go out, like we're binge drink- or i'm even a binge drinker but i know that like i don't if we go out you know i do like to socially drink and i do like to go out i guess it you know i'm just curious how you perceive the whole issue because i know there's there's a lot of ceos and Rock star CEOs that go out and they party and you know, it's just a it's a it's I'm just curious how your 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 vision of the culture.
2: You know, I, I found out the you know, the reason I was doing alcohol, it was almost like um it was a substitute for something I didn't have in myself. It was like an artificial form of courage. It it, it was it was like a fake form of liquid courage. Exactly, liquid courage It made me feel more connected with people But it, it had consequences You know, it was like not doing It was not doing much for my health And I realized that it was better I was better off building real courage So I, I wouldn't need the alcohol as a crutch So I could just go up to people and connect And if I'm having a non-alcoholic drink Being able to do whatever I wanted to do With alcohol See, I don't think alcohol makes people do things They wouldn't do otherwise It just kind of loosens them up a little bit Duh. You know what I'm saying?
0: This actually, yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree. Uh, leads into our next question because one of your more popular articles and something that you kind of go further into the book with is the 30-day uh, challenge. Can you explain a little bit more about this to some of the people that aren't familiar with it?
2: Good. Yeah, the the 30-day challenge or the 30-day trial is basically a method of forming a new habit or breaking an old habit. So let's say let's say you want to try a new exercise habit, you know, a ex- new exercise program. And you, you want to adopt a lifelong habit of, of exercise regularly. But you look at it and you're like, well, I'm not into exercise. That's a daunting challenge. How am, I going to get, how am I going to get myself to do that? So instead of thinking it was a lifelong commitment, all you do is you commit yourself to doing it for 30 days. And, and most people can manage to do that. They can make a 30-day commitment as long as the challenge is not too great, not too severe. And if you tell all your friends about it, you post about about it online in forums you participate in and tell everybody you're going to do this, then you have some accountability there, too. And if you can make it to the end of the 30 days, what happens is um, now you're a different person. Now you're somebody with 30 days of success behind you, and it's a lot easier to continue the habit. I've I've installed a lot of interesting habits uh, doing that, like becoming a vegetarian was one of them, Um, where I just did it for 30 days, wasn't even sure I was going to continue, but at the end, end of the trial, the habit stuck.
0: It's funny because I, I I just read that in your book recently, and I, I actually became a vegetarian about eight years ago the same way. I had read another book, and they were like, try it out, and I tried it out for 30 days, and I uh, I never went back either. And when people asked me the same kind of thing, like, why did you do it? I just said, well, I just tried it, and I liked how I felt after 30 days, and it was – Easy to stick with it. It didn't even become a, a, a conscious thing anymore. And, and
1: yeah. from and from what I understand, that the, the the human mind, if you do anything for thirty days, it's almost a somewhat of a first ingrained process. I mean, even any activity done thirty days straight in a row usually develops a habit. Isn't that is that isn't that is that the principle behind it?
2: Yeah, that's the principle behind it. I mean, you do it that long, and it's already ingrained. It's like your 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 mind is already conditioned to keep doing it. It's almost harder to stop. Mm-hmm. But there, you don't have to keep going. There's there's many times I did a 30-day trial of something, like I tried a different diet, and I thought, you know what, I didn't really get any results from it. It's not for me, so I went back to my old
1: diet. Okay, so you had like, like, like a... You know, a trial a, period. Yeah, a trial period, and you are like, you know, if, it's, if I'm not getting it, I'm going to go back. I'm going to pull
2: out. Uh-huh. And I mean, I, there's all the different diets out there. How do you know which one's right for you? You know, different ways of exercising. How do you know if you're going to like it or not? The, the thing is, is like, instead of st- standing on the sidelines and wondering just dive in and try it for 30 days because whether you succeed or fail, at least you'll know. Then you can let it go.
0: Yes, Steve. Even going back to like the conversation you were having with my, my co-host Mike about uh, drinking and socializing, if somebody wants to see, maybe they can do the 30-day the 30, uh, thirty day challenge of not drinking when they go out to bars and see.
1: Now, well, I think even you remember because there was a long point in my life where I didn't drink. I was always a de- You remember I was always the designated driver and I, I really didn't drink at all. And not that I minded it, but... I kind of, I do enjoy drinking sometimes, but I, you know, it's funny. I'll never have a drink with dinner. I just don't enjoy the taste with food. Like if I like if I go out, I do want to just drink and enjoy the social part of it. Other than that, though, it doesn't really yeah. interest me. It's kind but of it might be a
0: cha- might be a challenge. Thirty day trial. Uh, Steve, real quick, another concept I found quite interesting that I read for the first time recently in your book the other night was a uh, uh, growth blitzing. Um. How did you come up with the idea of growth blitzing and, and picking the little uh, topics on the different uh, general principles that you went over in the first half of the book?
2: Sure growth blitzing is basically you know you take take an area of your life and you just you just dominate you, you master it or you know you can even kind of extend it to several different areas of your life and just um, basically do an all-out blitz on it and, and get it changed so this is an area where you know sometimes you'll have you'll have yourself burdened under, this this bad habit you just can't get get past you know if you if you want to just blitz through it you can do something where you you basically just use overwhelming force to um, t- to get through it where you, you know you tell everybody you're gonna solve this habit you get support from from your friends and your family you um, you know you basically just uh, go overboard on it
1: you're almost like putting yourself uh, uh, responsible like by telling everyone you're making yourself liable it's kind of do, you, do, you, recommend it, do you recommend that pressure?
2: Yeah. I mean, for a lot of people, that's exactly what, what it takes. That, that helps for me sometimes, too. Sometimes when I want to do something new, I'll blog about it. Like earlier this year, I did a 30-day trial of an entirely raw food diet, uh, just eating nothing but fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. And because I blogged about it the whole way, like each day posting pictures of what I ate, I had that accountability with my visitors. So I have thousands of visitors reading as I'm going along. So how could I possibly quit part way through? You know, even if it was hard, I had to keep going because I had all that accountability.
0: Yeah, no, it's, a, it's definitely... You uh, actually
1: gave me a good idea for my personal block. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: uh, Steve, you actually <laughs> made a, a pretty drastic career change a few years back starting Um What advice do you have for someone who might be contemplating a major change in their life like that?
2: Um, well, you know, first thing is, is get in touch with how you feel about your current career. Because I was running a computer game development business and I was feeling more and more disconnected from it. It was—I'd ran—I'd run the business for 10 years, and it was my dream in my 20s to do that, and I loved it at first. But as I got in my 30s, I got a little bored with it, and kind of wanted to do something different. It just didn't seem that significant or exciting to me anymore. But I—I I procrastinated on changing um, for years. And what what I found that helped me make that transition was just to simply. Um, kind of mentally check out from the old career and just start focusing my attention on what I really wanted to do to get in touch with that. And what I really loved was what I was doing on the side all the time in my spare time. When I wasn't working on my games business, I was always reading personal development books and listening to audio programs and finding ways to save up money to go to new seminars. So I thought, why don't I just try to try to make that into my career since I enjoyed it so much? But I didn't know how to make money at it. So all I did is, is started, started up a new website where I basically just shared advice for free just started writing articles for free so i think one of the things people can do when they're making a career transition is just start just start dabbling in or experimenting with what you think you want to do you don't even have to be right just try something new for 30 days and don't even worry about making money at it like if you think you might love to get into music just start you know dabbling in music on the side do it a few hours a week. And, and you'll find that if, if you really like it, that passion will draw you further and further into it, and you'll start to check out from your old career. And pretty soon, if you just keep it up, you'll start getting good at it. And as, if you get good at it, then you have some skills you can use to generate income from it.
1: Hey, hey, Steve, tell me a little bit about Dweep.
2: <laughs> Dweep was this uh, this computer game I wrote in uh, 1999, and it was it was kind of an interesting transition because before that, for the first five years I was running my games business, I was... Always doing, um, you know, working with larger publishers, working on these um, larger projects that were funded by them, and I met with nothing but frustration during that time. And the, all the deals we had got canceled, or you know something bad happened, and we never got games released, um, except the ones we did on our own, released over the internet. So with Dweep, I decided to take a whole different tack, and I said, forget about working with publishers, forget about worrying how well it sells. I'm just going to do something creative. I'm just going to make a game for the sheer fun of it. So the the project had a had a budget of virtually zero. Uh, the artist did the, the artwork for royalties only on sales, if there were gonna be any sales. And the musician I, I found did the music for free in exchange for credit in the game. He, he was a student at the time, I believe. And uh, so the game came out. It uh, took about six months to develop and it started selling pretty well right away and, and won uh, several awards. So, and eventually it was making enough money to, uh, to cover all our expenses. So it was kind of interesting that instead of focusing on the, um, uh, the money-making side, by focusing on just creating something of value, something fun, something interesting and unique to share with the players, that made all the difference. That's what really started generating income. And ever, ever since I did that game, that's been my mindset in business, it is not to focus on trying to make money. It's just to focus on giving value.
1: It's kind of like this whole open source movement on the internet.
2: Yeah, it's a lot like that, really. You know,
1: I... I love WordPress. We all do. Yeah,
0: I, l- I use it too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, real um, you know, Steve, uh, you—I think I believe today you actually sent a Twitter out about the lo- you know the Las Vegas uh, housing market and, and and what's been going on. Um, any particular advice to the people out there who might be panicking this week? And you know, how would you recommend somebody approaching this kind of using the the uh, principles laid out in the book?
2: Well, you know, I was I was in a situation like that years ago where. Um, you know, I, I was uh, not doing well financially. I was like one hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt, and I ended up going bankrupt. But during that time, that was actually the time that I developed Weep. That was the, that was the time. You know, I'm developing this award-winning computer game for no money, while everything's crashing down around me. And I get a you know I get an eviction notice at my apartment, and so uh, my wife and I have to scramble to move during this time uh, to a, to a cheaper place to live. And, and the the funny thing was is that you know. I couldn't do that much about the financial situation. I just wasn't making enough money at the time. There was no way to make up that kind of money, and the creditors weren't gonna wait. So I really just had to let go of all that financial stuff around me. And I found that by going through that experience, I realized I just didn't care about that stuff anyway. I didn't care about you know what kind of apartment I lived in. I didn't care about uh, what kind of car I drove. What I really cared about was, was the creativity. So it was actually a really positive experience to go through that, um, that bankruptcy because it, it allowed me to strip away all that false stuff about worrying about money and, and, and you know caring about how well I was doing financially and, and I just uh, even in that in that time where my finances weren't doing well, I learned to just focus on giving something of value to other people and even even though my finances were you know crashing, I learned that I could still contribute I could still give and I think that's I think that's a mistake a lot of people make is is they they get tighter and tighter and they get more and more fearful when their finances aren't doing well when really the solution is to let go of all that just let it crash around you if it has to and shift your mindset to focus on contributing
1: something yes go out and
2: and give something to somebody because there's gonna be
1: somebody else out there who's in worse shape than you are steve it's a great way to help them out it's it's very funny because we're all smiling right here we're all just talking about a lot of this stuff recently and and different stuff and you know everything's really tough right now and and personally we do a lot of other entrepreneurial stuff here and there but it's uh that mindset i mean the the you're talking about crashing down your finances not worrying about it a lot of people they buckle when that happens they they fear that you know all my friends are doing this you know they all have cars i'm, I'm um, you know my car is a piece of junk i'm i'm this i'm that and and it, it's hard it really is you got to fight it though it's it, and if you've never been there you like, if you've never been long a- and down and then came back and, and done the time, it's hard to see it, I think.
2: Yeah. you know, I mean, you know, we, we get so attached to our stuff and the funny thing is, is that the less attached I am to my stuff, the easier it is to, to keep it, the easier it is to secure it. I mean, after I went through that time, my finances rebounded and, uh, you know, I'm doing fine right now. The funny thing is, even though the economy is doing pretty badly, like, like I just read that 9% of the houses in Las Vegas are in foreclosure, like, you know, like you mentioned. And um, uh, my wife and I are doing fine financially, and actually our, our business is, is growing. I'm getting more um, speaking engagement offers now since my book came out. And, and the reason I know that we're doing um, just fine is that, you know, what generates money in the first place? Where does the income come from? Money is just an exchange of value. So if you focus on creating and an value and getting into the hands of other people, that's exactly the thing that generates income. But if you focus on trying to get money... Well, you, you may or may not succeed because why should, why should you get money? You know, you've got to give something to get it. You've got to, it's, an, it's a medium of exchange. So what are you exchanging for that money you're trying to get? You know, I, I, think t- I think too many people tighten up on their finances and they actually give even less. And all that does is just accelerate the crash. But you, c- you can pull through the crash if you uh, – y- you know, even if you end up losing some money and losing some of your stuff, you'll recover. If you shift your mindset to focus on giving value – because that is exactly the activity you need to do that generates income.
0: Yeah, you actually talk a lot about that because you you've pretty much started Steve Pablina with nothing. You didn't really have any kind of, of name to go along with it. And over the years, you very quickly, uh, by giving away free value, um, are you know made it pretty public that you run a pretty successful blog and make a nice income off of it.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, the, you know, the the funny thing is, is the the income all came indirectly. I still keep I still keep posting new articles today for free, um, just because I love it so much. Yeah, and and the income was really indirect. It was from advertising and donations and um, uh, affiliate sales, things like that. But you know, even even now, I'm actually, cha- I, I even while the economy is going down, I'm changing my business model to focus even less on trying to generate income and even more on trying to give give value. Like, I'm actually removing advertising from the site. By the end of the year, there's going to be no third-party ads on my website, and I'll be I'll be generating income in other ways um, so that the site will e- be even less cluttered and uh, e- even more accessible to people. I'm also going to be making some other business model changes down the road to try to get the content out, to the, out there even further. Um, so the, the funny, the, because the, the strategy I find that works for me is I just keep focusing on the on the on the giving value side and somehow the money just takes care of itself i mean for all this time i i I haven't had any uh you know until my book came out just a few weeks ago i haven't had any products haven't had any sales haven't had any customers um no inventory and no employees but yet there's all this income coming in (laughs) So, so you know how do you explain that and and the reason i think is um just focusing on the value side People before I offer, I asked for donations on my site. People kept asking to donate, so it actually saved me time to put up the donations link.
0: Yeah. Um, so, Steve, what's next for you now that the book's out, um, site's doing well? Uh, what's what's in the horizon?
2: Well, I, th- I think I'm going to leverage the book to start doing a lot more speaking. I, I also thought about doing, you know, you know expanding into other media. Uh, I don't think of myself as a blogger so much. I mm-hmm. think of myself as, as somebody who's just really passionate about personal development and wants to share that. So I'm always thinking about what other media could I expand into, maybe online video. Uh, I'm definitely, I definitely love doing more uh, professional speaking. So I'm, prob- I'm most likely, as the book continues to sell, I'll just leverage that to start getting more speaking engagements and, and just start taking that message into different media. Um, online video, maybe more audio stuff. Um, you know, anything I can um, get up on my website that will help deliver that message.
0: And you offer phone coaching now as well, right, for your uh, some of for your readers?
2: Yeah, actually I just started building an interest list for that a couple months ago, so I haven't started doing it yet, okay. but that's something I should get going by the end of the year.
0: Excellent, Steve. All right, we gotta do, uh, we gotta wrap it up and I'm really appreciative of you calling in. Sure. It's been uh, nice talking to you.
2: It was great talking to you guys too.
0: I just wanna remind everyone that you're listening to ninety point three WMSC, Montclair State's underground radio.